G-R-I-Z. Take a pen, note it, save it in your smartphones. He's from the Motor City. He laced us with that incredible intro. Thank you once again. Welcome to this, the Red Bulletin Podcast, where we talk to top performers in the fields of adventure, sports, culture, music, and this week, competitive gaming. Uh, I'm your host, Andreas Georges, twiddling the knobs, first name James, the first name in podcasting, and of course, our saintly producer, T. Rizza, the 10th member of the Wu-Tang Clan. This week, we'll be talking to Daryl Lewis, otherwise known as Snake Eyes. He's a Street Fighter player an esports athlete and he'll talk to us about competitive gaming and its exploding popularity globally growing up in the streets of compton and how his recent trip to japan may or may not have been the plot of a karate kid movie let's start the show a relic from the 80s with its casio keyboard soundtrack which was by the way recently reissued on vinyl for a limited edition Street Fighter II conjured up images of quarters machines and lost weekends. For most, like myself, it was an after-school distraction, an occasion to get together with friends and pound on controllers without any kind of sense or idea that what you were doing was actually helping your character win. Um, for others, it was a daily addiction. And for some, like Daryl Lewis, it was an escape from the violence of 1990s South Central L.A., he picked as his character Zangief, a burly Russian who was one of the toughest to win with, whereas others played characters with better hair uh, or flashier combos. Lewis built a strategy on patience and counterattacking, and it won him fans, first locally and then globally. The reason why I picked Zangief was because I always felt like being able to grab people in fighting games is a huge advantage, sort of. Like, most characters, they don't have really far grab range and so when you grab people a lot they get extremely frustrated at the game they're, they're like you know that's not fair or i mean zangief's definitely not anywhere near the, like the best character in the game but just having that advantage alone makes people feel like he is so it's it's kind of like a mental game that i'm playing with these guys it's not like a, a static uh, uh advantage that i'm having over these guys Interesting. Zangief. So so the mental game, so when you're playing it's not it's not so much even I mean it's obviously your 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 hands are doing the work mm-hmm. but there seems to be a lot of like psychological you know kind of warfare going on <laughs> right. as well. I mean to use a really bad term but yeah. um for example like um in in most fighting games or just games in general pe- people think that it's hard to do a lot of things in a short amount of time. Yeah. But it's actually not. Everyone always practices how to do a lot of things in a short amount of time. But for me, I know how to do that same thing, but it's harder mentally to not do anything because you're playing a video game, you want to do something, right? You want to like uh show your show off your combos or do like certain uh setups and, you know, stuff like that. Um for me, most of the time, I just kind of stand there and do nothing. And people are like, you know, why isn't he doing anything? So they'll walk up and I'll just grab them sometimes or they'll they'll try to like stand there with me, but they won't realize that the time ran out and I had the health lead. And so that's um that's the kind of advantage that Zangief has, you know, just very psychological and things. Yeah. How, how, how much is that reflective of like your own approach in mm-hmm. real life? I mean, are you... Are you kind of a guy who sits back and, and waits in general? And 
I'm a very safe person in life. Yeah. Like, if I see a dangerous situation out in the streets or something like that, I'll go the opposite way. Right. Well, not not like I won't run yeah. like immediately or anything like unless it's a you know something really bad. But yeah. if it's a potential bad situation, I'll just try to avoid avoid right. it. Right. Wh- where did that come from? Um, I think that's just just seeing like how things were uh, play out in the area that I live at. You know, right. it just seems like the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to you know. Keep my, keep myself well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Compton, California is no joke. Yeah, it's really not. You know, I, I haven't really ran into a lot of people like me in that area. Like, whenever I talk to someone, they're a lot different than I am. In what sense? They're 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 really okay with doing like you know crazy things. Okay, so basically, when I was a kid, there was a group of kids that I hung out around. And for example, one day we were walking down the street. And one of my uh, friends, he, he kind of like hit a random person that was walking down the street. After I saw that, you know, I kind of gradually stopped hanging around with those guys. And I randomly heard one day that uh, one of them went to jail. Mm-hmm. And how, how was the family life? Were you guys pretty tight with each other? My older brother played video games, but not as much as I did. Right. And um, for the rest of them, they were like more into like uh, the hip hop lifestyle. What was it about that that you didn't like the hip hop lifestyle? Because um, it's it's so much a part of that area, and I mean, yeah. so much amazing music has come out of yeah. Compton and South Central LA as a mm-hmm. result. But mm-hmm. depending on how you take it, it can kind of like ruin how you uh, how you act in life. You know, some guys they they take some of the lyrics and stuff like that a little too hardcore. You know, you, if a rapper says something, you don't have to like follow that kind of lifestyle you know they're just right. rapping and you know trying to sound cool so a lot of people around my area they tend to um you know get a little too involved in what rappers say what about video games what did it what purpose did it serve for you at that point i mean um, if you look at it in the context that we were just mm-hmm. talking about while i was having fun with video games i figured you know if i'm having fun with this and i don't have to like potentially you know, risk my life by going outside. Yeah. I'll definitely stay indoors and do this, you know? Yeah. And then just invite my friends over and we'll just, you know, have our fun away from this trouble, all this trouble. That's, that's, a, I mean, that's the first time I've heard about something like that where mm-hmm. video games actually keeps you out of trouble. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's kind of, you grow up in middle class suburban America and it's, you know, not too many video games. Yeah. Too many video games are bad. Get out, play, you know? And <laughs> yeah. and with you it was the reverse. Mm-hmm. Did you think already did you know already back then you wanted to get out of that neighborhood? You wanted to get out of that situation? I basically just kinda treated the lifestyle of growing up in Compton like different. You know, I just always imagined that it wasn't, you know, it was it's not normal actually. Yeah. So you know, that's, that's just kind of how I took it. And because it wasn't normal, you didn't want to have really anything to do with it, actually. Right. So let's get back into the gaming then. So you you started playing in, you said, LAN tournaments, right? You guys would have like little LAN parties at, mm-hmm. at your house. And by that time, you had settled on Street Fighter as your game. No, actually. Oh, okay. That was, that was uh, around the time when I was still playing Halo 2. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, when, when did the transition occur? So after I started stopped playing Halo because I realized that uh, Halo is the type of game where you need a team and you need like very cooperative members that are on your team, people who can like kind of know what you want to do at certain times and you know things like that, and people who are as good as you too. 
And so when I noticed that, I'm like, yeah, this definitely isn't the type of game for me. I'm more of a solo type, you know. You don't play guy. well with others. I, yeah. I mean, I do. It's just you, you just have to expect them to be as good as you. Right. So I was like, and you wanted to rely on yourself. Exactly. I wanted to rely on myself. So I, was, I just kind of, I just cut it out. I'm like, I'm going to go learn an old school fighting game. And that way, um, I can play that old school fighting game. But since you learn fundamentals really uh, well from the older fighting games, you can, tr- you can uh, transfer that over the, to the newer fighting game. Right. Okay. So by learning that game, I learned. About four or five other fighting games. And what was what was the fighting game community like mm-hmm. at that point? Was it pretty developed here already? Or um, it started to get more and more developed. Uh, people used to have really high stakes money matches, thousand dollars. And these these guys like they're not they they don't have a lot of money. So a thousand dollars is actually a lot. Yeah, it, yeah. it actually still is a lot. I, I think it's a lot of money. I I think if I'd lose a high-stakes $1,000 match, I'd be pretty bummed right I now. I would be, too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so was that the Wednesday Night Fights that you speak of then, or is uh, that something else? This was right before Wednesday Night Fights. This was at an arcade called Regency Fun Center. Dude, by the way, I have to say, I think the most thing the, the, the thing I'm struggling most with is that whenever you talk about this, like yeah. I think of like... 1986 like i'm I'm literally like in an arcade yeah in like a john hughes movie and there's like a bunch of like you know kids there's like the bad boys from cobra kai you know what i mean that's how it was though actually is that how it was well not not at wednesday night fights but that's how it was back Back um, in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Back at the what? What was the original name of the Regen- Regency Reg- Fun Center? The Regency Fun Center. <laughs> so <laughs> what a, a great name. Uh, so uh, so then, how did you prepare for these? Like, mm-hmm. how important were these mm-hmm. were these battles for you? Wednesday night fights. Yeah, um, they were very important. When I first went there, I got my ass kicked. Like, <laughs> I couldn't even like get around off of uh, pro players back at the time. What 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 were you doing wrong? Um, well, I was basically transitioning from the old game I used to play, Street Fighter Two, to Street Fighter Four, and it was just so hard. You know, there's so many like the the game has the same character, but it doesn't have the same moves. And, oh. and if it does have the same moves, the moves are so much different than they were back then. Right. And so, and the mechanics are different. Everything's just a lot different. It has like some new things, some, and some of the old things are missing. Um. It just took me a long time to transition over from the old game. Okay. And during that time, um, I was just getting my ass whooped. Right. And I was like, you know what? This is good. You know, losing is very good sometimes, you know. How how else are you supposed to learn? You don't just come into a new environment winning. Right. And so I just took every loss, you know, to heart. I basically made sure that every loss that I uh, got, I learned something from it. Yeah. And as time went on, surely enough, I was I was on top. <laughs> At what point did you realize, hey, this could be a career? This mm-hmm. could be something I could make money off of. As the years went on, from 2010, I saw like the community of the FGC rise. Like fighting I, game community, FGC fighting. Game Got it. Community. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, that was more for me than anyone listening. I'm sure they picked up on it quicker. Than I did, <laughs> Sorry. So. <about> Go ahead. <laughs> and um, uh, I got flown out to events just because I was a popular player online. And, you know, that's just, that's just the start of it. You know, that's just how big. When did, when did that start happening? The the first uh, tournament I got invited to was in Mexico, I think. At that. D- sorry, did that blow your mind that someone would fly you to Mexico to when, play Street Fighter 4? When I saw the message on uh, 
uh, Facebook. I was like, are they serious? So I had to kind of like ask around to see if it was a normal thing for people to do that. Right. And surely enough, the year before that, another player had got flown out to that same place. Okay. And, um, and he came back alive. So. He came back alive, yeah. <laughs> so well, speak, all, uh, speaking of that, actually, um, so the first time I got invited to Mexico, it was at a, it was in Mexico City. But then the second time I got uh, flown out, it was in a place called Sinaloa, Culiacan. Yo, this, isn't and, that narco violence? Like, th- yes. This is the place yes. where the most notorious uh, drug guy. Um, Traffickers. Um, who is that? El Chapo, maybe? Him. Yes. Yeah, that's, that his, that's his yeah, name. Yeah. That's yeah. where he's from. Yeah. And when I got invited to that place, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, you're it- like, I, I, you know I play the game, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not actually a street fighter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I have to explain that all the time to people, too. Are you uh, serious? <laughs> yeah, like, whenever I'm on the plane, they're like, so where, where are you going? I'm like, yeah. oh, to play, uh, I'm going to a tournament to play Street Fighter. And they're like, oh, you're a Street Fighter? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, 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 the, the game Street Fighter 4. Mm-hmm. So you recently went to Japan. Yes. Why was it important for you to go to Japan? Um, Japan is the place where the best Street Fighter players reside right. in. And it was basically important for me to go there because I have I used to have a really hard time beating these guys in tournament. I didn't really it's not the fact that they're uh necessarily better than me because most of the time their characters are a lot better than the character I play. But I don't I didn't understand like the way they play. It feels like when I'm playing them they have a certain like goal that they're trying to reach and I'm just like kind of sitting there without a game plan, kind of like freestyling freestyling it. Right. Uh, in the middle of while we're playing. Huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And is it because it's more structured there? Is that what you it, kind of It's definitely more structured. The way they practice in the game is actually a lot more efficient than the way I practice. But that's mainly because the resources they have. Um, their general like um, internet connection speeds are a lot higher than ours. And so they're able to play from home flawlessly um, with no lag. You know, that's just such a huge advantage. Yeah. Because uh, for me... I wouldn't really be able to play anyone because uh, I basically have to play theory fighter when I'm going to these places. I would have to, like, okay, if he does this, a logical uh, answer would be for me to do this. But then they get to actually play it out. And execute on it. How how seriously do they take the game there? They take it extremely serious. Um, One of the pro players there, I won't say his name, he basically has his friend play the character that he thinks he's going to have the most trouble with. And they, like, look up videos and, like, okay, you need to play like this so that I can get a good idea on how to beat this guy. Did it surprise you? Um, It actually just did. How? I mean, you probably heard about it and yeah. you knew that the best players came from Japan, but did it surprise you how, I mean, was... It definitely did because, for me, if I play, like, a few matches, I feel I feel like, you know, I'm, I got a good idea of what's going on. But yeah. for them, they, like, kind of overcompensate. For me... Uh, when you overcompensate, you start to think about things that they that the other player wouldn't even like do or think to do, and then you just kind of like defeat yourself in the right, game. Right. Yeah. So I feel like there's a certain amount of times you should play, and then just stop. You know. Yeah. But these guys, they just keep going at it. How is the Japanese gaming community different? Oh man, it was so much different. Like um, out there, there's just you go to an arcade, right, and there's just a random guy sitting down. At the arcade station, he's, you know, pro- probably in a, like a dress shirt or a business suit. He's smoking a cigarette. Maybe he has a beer next to him. And for some reason, he's very good at the game. <laughs> I'm not sure if they, I'm not sure if they play casually or they, they're like semi-pro players or pro players. But they just, 
as a whole, they have like a general idea of how to play professionally. How much of how they approach the game did you identify with? There's a style called lame. Mm-hmm. And it ba- it's basically where you only do what it takes to win. You know, you, you sit there and you play by the time on the clock. You're like, okay, I'm going to land the first hit. And by me having the life advantage from landing that first hit, yeah, you're going to have to come to me or you're going to have to shoot a lot of like fireballs at me yeah. or you're going to have to like try to damage me somehow. Right. But now I have an idea of what you want to do because right. you have to do it. Right. Otherwise the time is going to run out and I'm sure. going to win. They've played their hand already. Yeah. Yep. They yeah. played their hand and, and uh, Zangief really excels at when someone's trying to come to him because but, he no longer has to come to them. Right. And he's good at blocking and he's a very defensive type. Very defensive. player. Okay. Yes. Um, but in terms of like how seriously they take the game over there, did you identify with it? I yes. mean, was that some, was it kind of refreshing even to see something like that? It was actually because in America, a lot of players, when they're playing me, yeah. um, they don't, I, I don't know what they're playing for. Right. I don't I don't feel like they want to get better by playing me yeah. because I'm not a player who who who's always around to play against to right. get better. Right. So when I when I am around and I'm playing playing against uh, other people, I expect them to want to either a learn how to get better or b figure figure something out. Right. But some people they're just trying to like do a certain thing on me to look cool and stylish. So you saw guys out there who were doing basically the same thing, were yeah. always like relentless in their kind of analysis. Because yeah. right, I imagine you play a match. Is it a match? A game? Match. All right. Yeah. You play a match and then at the end of it, you're breaking it down, right? You're exactly. like, what did I do wrong? What did I do? Yep, I'm watching videos. I'm doing everything. How do you feel when you lose? Mm, it's very, depending on how I lose, it's, it's it can feel really bad or it can you can sort of be like, okay, you know, I can... I can definitely see why I lost. Right. And um, when you lose to like, there's some characters in the game actually that are just kind of stupid. Right. <laughs> like, right. They have certain moves that just work against your character no matter what you do. Right. And when you lose against those type of characters where you feel like you couldn't, you're putting, you're put into a, a guessing game. Yeah. Where you can't really rely on skill to avoid this thing you're just you just have to guess either one side of the coin or right. the other um it, it feels really dirty really like nasty losing yeah. to things like that what, do, what does it feel like when you win is it mm. is it like do you have an adrenaline rush is it if i beat someone whose character beat mine yeah um i feel really good do you ever stop and think what the hell has happened to get me here I, i've just been grinding a lot man and like always had faith in myself you know i always um felt like I've always felt like I can do anything that I wanted. Why did you always feel that? Because I've always uh, thought about, you know, what makes one person different from the other, another person, you know? It always sparked my interest of thinking things like that. Like, you know, why is this guy this good at whatever he does? And it, it's either you're somewhat naturally talented at something or you've grinded to that level. But I always felt like grinding is can get you uh, better at something than natural talent can. You know, just by me knowing that, I've always figured that I can just do anything that I want. That's a really strong belief to have. Do you think growing up in Compton has given you advantage in a certain? I actually, think so sense? because, yeah, just just me, just the things that I take from situations are always a good thing. I feel like um, most situations that happen from where I grew up at are like the the extremes, and a lot of other situations are very normal. And it, it, statistically, it's like that. 
because I mean, obviously, these things don't really happen in other places. You're talking about violence. You're talking about yeah, uh, right. Yeah, and so just by those type of things happening, um, since they're so extreme, you you tend to learn from those faster than you would a normal situation because you, there's something on the line. Would you say it prepares you better to handle that normal situation then? Yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of times where you take other things out of it too, you know? Like, for me, just kind of being safe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, in the game, it, it kind of converts over to my gameplay. Just being able to do something right the first time you do it. Right. Or like focusing on making sure it's right and that you don't mess up. That's what I've, I've got from, you know, growing up from where I came from. What are the big things coming up for you? I have I actually have choices of tournaments I can go to. I've got an invite to France mm-hmm. and an invite to uh, uh, some other uh, country. I can't remember. But Yeah, there's a couple out there. Yeah. Is, there um, is, is there a reason you would go to one over the other? I mean, is there beyond like the plays are like hey like damn i've never been to france like, right let me go check that out is oh, that you know what at this moment i didn't even think about that at, at all actually um right. the only reason why i would go is because there's a certain player there that i would want to play right okay yeah. so you're always seeking out the best player in that country you're always seeking out the best person at the tournament yeah it's very subconsciously like i, I don't try to do it but it just it, it ends up happening out of nowhere and you did that in Japan, obviously, too. Yeah. In what way was your trip to Japan like a Karate Kid movie? <laughs> um, or was it more like you were Rocky against Ivan Drago? Or was it like Ralph Macchio against like that kid who's into the chick that he's also into? Right. Who's like somehow related to Mr. Miyagi, I forget. I think that was number two. <laughs> I think that was number did you Did you like stop? You're like, man, this is, this is the plot of a Karate yeah. Kid movie. Yeah, um, I did... I felt like that actually. If while I was in Japan, it felt like an anime. Like, you know, you you you're walking down the street, and it's really quiet. It looks yeah. it looks a lot like you know how those uh, shows look too. Um, when you go inside of a store and you're greeted, you know they're really like high high pitched and yeah. like you know yeah. arigato gozaimasu and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what the hell's going what on? What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. And there's lights and there's sounds constantly and it's an onslaught. Yeah, yeah. Would you go back? I definitely would, but yeah. not right now. Not Why right not? Now. Um, I've had my fair share of uh, Japan for yeah. now. Yeah. You got you gotta like Japan out. I, I like talking to people. Right. Yeah, and right. I can't do that in Japan. You can't do that yet. Only if I knew Japanese, I could. That's right. Well, you now we know that if you stare at Japanese long enough, you eventually understand it. Yeah, remember so, that guy. <laughs> that's a message to take away. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us, man. I no really problem, appreciate dude. it, man. Thanks that for was awesome. Me. Yeah, with pleasure, man. Really good. <laughs> That was Daryl Snake Eyes, Lewis, a name I'll never get tired of saying. Kids, if you stay at home, play video games all day long, turns out it does pay off in the end. Uh, I've been your host, Andreas Georges. You've been listening to us on iTunes, where you can find the rest of the podcast. You can also head over to our pod partner, uh, Acast, and of course, the RedBulletin.com, which is the home of some excellent stories that cover many of the same topics we cover here just expanded in beautiful words and images form and of course an archive of the podcasts up until now thanks a lot for listening and see you next time